Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 34 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about toolboxes. Toolboxes. I Oh, I've, I've had so many toolboxes over the years, I don't even know where most of them are anymore. Why? Well, you know, in the, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, I had a restoration shop. We specialized in, in uh, acoustic pianos and, and antiques and furniture and, and that sort of thing. We did refinishing and restorations. And in the course of our business, I had not just retail customers, but I had corporate customers as well. I had a, a list of about 100 corporate customers, including Ethan Allen and Stickley and Kendall and you know a lot of high-end furniture mm-hmm. companies and designers. So we'd go out and do warranty calls. And I had to divide my tools into boxes that were job-specific. I had tools for my piano customers and tuning and that sort of thing. And I had, if I was going out on an upholstery call to fix a ripped arm from delivery or, you know, a scratch on a table or a dresser or something. Yeah, all these different toolboxes. And I'd put them in the back of my my pickup truck and pull them out as I needed it. Well, then it got to the point where the pickup truck wasn't enough. So I went out and bought a Chevy van lined with shelves and drawers and, and such on the inside. I had my shop tools, and then I made duplicates oh. uh, for, for put in the truck for my road work. And then my older son, who had been working in, in the shop off and on since he was a teenager, went to work for me full-time. So I got his truck and then duplicated all of my truck tools into his truck. Mm-hmm. And, there, you know, it was just – it was hard to keep track of all of that stuff, especially when I decided to retire and liquidate everything. But having said that, I made a lot of money when I liquidated <laughs> my tools. Seriously, I made more money. I, I sold these things in most cases for more money than I paid for them when they were brand new. Wow. And I got years of use out of them. So that, that was one of my better investments, buying a lot of tools. That's a good story. All those tools, did they have different types of boxes for each set? They did because the, the key to any toolbox is the organization. That's the only reason you put your tools into a box. Uh, you know, if you take your tools and throw them into a shoebox, that's a box with your tools in it. It's not a toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> a toolbox just keeps your tools organized and clean and dry and helps you to find them faster. Because you don't want to go sticking your, your hand into a box full of miscellaneous tools and run your finger into the edge of a wood chisel that's sharp. or uh, or toss your uh, a hammer into a box and chip something or sure. bend something. Or in a good toolbox, one of the characteristics of a good box is it keeps the tools separate and organized. Uh, my father worked for Remington Rand uh, back in the, the 50s and 60s. He, was, he repaired typewriters and mechanical adding machines. So when I was growing up, I'd watch him. He'd bring home side jobs. He did side jobs for various little office supply companies. He'd bring home uh, adding machines or a typewriter. And since he didn't have his own dedicated workspace, his workspace became our dining room table. I don't remember ever eating a meal off of our dining room table because it always had 
parts, and he had the coolest toolkit in the world. It was a leather bag. It opened up. It looked like a doctor's bag with a leather handle, and it opened up, and it had trays that lifted out and expanded mm. uh, into terraces. And then it had the bottom of it. You could unhook it, and it had trays that would slide out. And on the other side, it had smaller drawers. I just loved that toolbox. And when I became a piano tuner, got certified for that, I looked for one of those for years and just couldn't find it. Because when when my father uh, passed away, my mother gave his tools away to Aww. one of his work buddies. Piano tuning uh, tools, it's it's very much the same. There's a lot of specialty tools that need places to put them. For example, the tool that I use the most, other than the tuning hammer, which isn't a hammer, it's a wrench, was I had dozens of screwdriver blades, thick ones and thin ones and big ones and short ones and long ones. And you can't have screwdrivers in there with these handles on them. You don't have room for anything else. So you have one universal handle and you had a roll a tool roll, and it had all of these little screwdriver blades and punches and specialty tools and pliers and wire benders all in here. So when I needed something, I just took something out of the tool roll and stuck it in the handle and used it. When I used, mm-hmm. needed another one, I'd do the same thing. And I was once uh, tuning a piano for a dentist and needed to make an adjustment. And it's it, one of the few times that he was home when I was there, and I unrolled my tool roll on the top of the piano. He was fascinated. He was over there pulling, can I do this? Can I, can I pull this out? Wow, what is this? Because they were very similar to dental tools. Sure. You know, mirrors and all kinds of things. So a well-organized toolbox will separate tools by the function of the tool and make it easy for you to find them and keep the tools from being damaged. My piano, I've still got my piano tuning tools, and they're the same ones that I had when I started the business in 1974. Wow. Uh, so they're, and they're still, you know, good and I could use them if I was inclined. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so interesting. Just your description of this toolbox that opens up with, with, um, it expands. All I could think of is my tackle box. It's very similar to a tackle box. Very similar. And uh, tackle boxes, the, the, they're toolboxes for fishing. Sure. Right. And you need to keep things separated. You need to keep your, Lures and separate from your flywheels. Yeah, exactly. Our last treasure hunt with Worth Point was at the Mount Dora flea market. It was an antique yard sale. Have you ever right. been to Mount Dora? No, never have. No. Well, the interesting thing was in Mount Dora, I met this couple, and um, their name was Jack and Joan. The hill in Mount Dora, and they mm-hmm. bought a toolbox. Mm-hmm. And it was um, interesting because Jack was carrying it around and it looked very heavy. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he really, you know, he actually used um, one of the golf carts. They they provided golf carts for the treasure hunters because it was such a big place. And he loaded up his um, toolbox on the on the golf cart to take it to his car. It was pretty big. And when we went um, to our show and tell time later, he didn't bring it in, but I did learn a little bit about the toolbox and it was from, um, it was, it was marked Kennedy kits. And he said that they sell for about $85, but he, he gained his knowledge from, uh, toolboxes because one time him and Joan were 
flea marketing or they were um, going to garage sales and they saw a toolbox by the side of the road that someone had left Mm -hmm. free. So they pulled up and took a look at it. And that was marked Dayton Electrics. And they're from the 1950s. And so he loaded that up in the car and he, while they were loading it up, the gentleman came out of the house. He came out of the house and he said, um, hey, you're interested in the toolbox. I have a tool bench, a workbench in my garage. If you're interested in, you can have. So they went in and looked at it and they, they liked it and they said, how much? And he said, just take it. So they got a toolbox and a tool bench for free. Wow. Went home and they sold the toolbox for $75. Right. And they sold the workbench for 200 <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. A good a good workbench, they sell for a lot of money. The last one that I bought was probably in the 90s, and I paid $1,000 for it back wow. then. Wow. Well, and free is good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free is good, yeah, as long as the things are usable. Sometimes free is very expensive, but in this instance, it sounds like free was good. It was very good. So I thought I'd share their tip with everybody because you never know when you're driving around the neighborhood and and you see something sitting out because the gentleman was obviously happy, you know, to get rid of it. Sure. And that worked out well. So just they're they're known as second-time sellers. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find them on eBay. Their eBay ID is A G Q U E S T, and you can take a look at their toolbox on eBay. I just had to give them a plug. They were such a delight. That's fine. It's it's one of the nice things about going to these treasure hunts, is you yes. meet so many interesting, engaging people. Yes. So that's that's a good thing. Now let me ask a couple of questions about this. Did this have tools in it, or was it just a box? It was just the box. Okay. I was just wondering why it was so heavy. Well, it was big. Was it? It was mm-hmm. It was pretty big. It was good 16 inches, my guess. What was it made of? It was a metal box, and uh-huh. Joan actually explained to me that she, when she gets these boxes, she cleans them with a damp cloth, and mm-hmm. that it was important not to immerse in water. So what is your experience about immersing in water, or what are your thoughts about the cleaning of toolboxes? Well, you can't go wrong with a damp cloth. It's going to get out uh, the bust the of the dirt and that sort of thing. I would, If it were me doing that and I didn't want to use water on it, I'd use a damp cloth and maybe a brush to, you know, mm-hmm. toothbrush or anything to get the dirt out of the corners and clean the hinges and that sort of thing. But uh, a damp cloth is a perfectly good way to do it. For me personally, I don't have a problem with with water. If mine got particularly grungy or if I bought a used toolbox or something, I had no problem power washing it. But, of course, the trick there is to dry it. You know, it's it's got – you don't want to – you can't leave it wet. Uh, You need to to dry it off. But everyone has their own approaches. I know people who regularly rub down their metal toolboxes with – sewing machine oil or something like that. I I don't do that. I just keep it clean. One thing I want to mention before anyone gets the wrong idea about power washing or, or putting a toolbox in water, 
We're talking about, in this instance, metal toolboxes. Mm -hmm. Try that with a wooden toolbox and you're really going to mess it up because a lot of these uh, old glues that you'd find on an antique box are sketchy. Uh, you know, they get old, they get brittle, things will start falling apart. Of course, wood absorbs moisture and drawers will swell and hinges will stick and lids won't close. So you don't want to use water on an old toolbox. That's, that's where the damp cloth and, and the, and a brush becomes imperative. You don't want to use too much water on a wooden box. Okay, Dana, it's time to take a break. So let's chisel out a little time for WorthPoint right here. Dealers, you don't have to build your own reference library. WorthPoint has done it for you. With WorthPoint's digital library, you can access over 1,000 books on antiques and collectibles in one convenient place. Find the info you need quickly. Search books by title or author or subject. Dig deep using a keyword search. Don't waste time digging through pages of Google results. Get there quicker with WorthPoint. For a seven-day, seven-lookup-free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, and we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we're talking about vintage toolboxes. I actually have um, a toolbox listed in my eBay store, and I picked it up at online auction on one of our mm -hmm. um, Ocala, Florida online auctions. And it's interesting because it's leather. Mm -hmm. And it's black leather, and I honestly had never seen one like it before. And it had, it has metal corners, you know, to protect the corners. And when I, I actually have it listed for $300, and I picked it up for eight. And what was interesting about it, it has a leather handle and it's well worn, but it's small. It's not mm -hmm. a giant toolbox. And I right. just, as I was doing my research and I was learning about keywords, I actually used the word primitive. Mm -hmm. I used the word um, chest in addition to box. Right. So you might want to, as you're you know, listing your toolboxes, you might want to add that word because some right. people are, you know, they think chest, not box. Right. And then also, of course, leather and the dimensions. But I just thought I'd share that with everybody because it was, I honestly had not seen one like this before. And that's what made me grab it. And it was in pretty good shape. Did you take a stab at what function that toolbox would have served? What kind of tools it might have had in it? I was hoping that someone would come to me. So usually when I list something like that, somebody will say, well, this is what that's used for. Right. But no one has come forward. So I honestly don't know. At first, I thought maybe a doctor's bag, but of course, it's the wrong shape. It's the right. wrong It's the wrong type. Right. And then I thought maybe drafting tools were kept in it, but it has no shelves and no inserts. It's just a box. It's just the box. And yeah. don't you think that boxes are more valuable if they have that little... that Tray? Yes. In the top? Well, they are. They are. Um, it's just a matter of separating your, your tools. Uh, I have toolboxes like that that have uh, screwdrivers and rollers and tape measures and you know uh, screw starters, various things in the top because they're small. I just keep the small things in the tray. Mm -hmm. And then underneath, I have the big screwdrivers and crescent wrenches and plumber's wrenches and, you know, all of the, that sort of thing in the bottom. But what 
led me to ask the question was in the past few days I was looking at toolboxes on on eBay just because I knew we were going to be talking about this. And I saw something that was advertised as a dental toolbox. And I thought, oh, that ought to be really cool because I had this thing happen with the dentist. And I wonder what kind of tools he's got. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and it he had a dozen pictures and drawers open, drawers closed, all sides uh, of it, very well photographed, but not one tool. And I looked at that and I thought, okay, well, maybe this was a dentist toolbox, but it could have been a toolbox for anything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how he would identify that as a dental toolbox. So I looked up medical toolboxes, tool bags, tool chests, and there were some that there was no mistaking because it had some tools in it. I saw a a Civil War era or late 19th century uh, doctor's, uh, military doctor's field kit. And it had saws in it for cutting off limbs and tourniquet. It had all kinds of, you know, gruesome looking things. But they sell well. Yeah, yeah, they do. But I couldn't find anything to identify what specifically a dental toolbox would would look like. Because I guess... I have trouble wrapping my head around the fact that Dennis made house calls. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, in the 19th century and, and before, uh, dentists, uh, dent- dentistry was performed largely by barbers. That's, that's the origin of the red and white striped barber pole, as it represents bandages and blood. What? Yes, yes. What? I have never heard that before. Well, you don't go to my barber. <laughs> Talk about bandages and blood. No, seriously, my wife cuts my hair. So, <laughs> one of the advantages of being bald is uh, haircuts. You spend a lot on haircuts. Yeah, that's you can look that up. I, I I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I think that's that's the origin of it. Wow. Dentistry was was done by barbers, but there were only two things you could do if you had a diseased tooth: you could pull it or you could leave it alone. So that's what they did. They grabbed it with some pliers and numbed them with alcohol and uh, yanked that thing out of there. Oh, my goodness. Well, the other thing is um, with toolboxes, besides having the insert, what do you think about sometimes I'll get turned off if, I, if I'm if i at um, an estate sale and they have a toolbox and I opened it up and it has new tools? Um, it depends on the box. Mm-hmm. If it's a, if I can tell it's a, an older vintage uh, woodworker's toolbox with mm-hmm. big trays and room for chisels and and uh, you know nicely laid out and approachable, then I'll offer the value of the box. Okay, I won't will not include the tools because you can go anywhere and buy tools. Sure, and in most cases, if I need a tool, I prefer to buy a high quality new tool. Because sure. I know I'll have it forever, mm-hmm. which is another point I want to make about about going to these uh, yard sales and, and estate sales. Tool collectors or to- people who use tools on a regular basis don't turn them over. They don't use it and dispose of it. Tools are, for the most part, not disposable. So they accumulate, and you just accumulate them year after year after year. Every time you need a new tool or need to do a particular job, if you're going to do it yourself, you have to have the right tools. So I would go to the hardware store and buy the right tools and come home and it might be years before I ever used a particular tool again. 
But when you need it, you need it. The world of the story is guys don't get rid of tools. They'll have them forever. Uh So if you go to a sale and you find one box of tools, chances are good there's going to be other ones. So the thing to do is look at all the tools and make an offer on the whole bunch of them because tools sell really well. Mm-hmm. Well, another interesting thing that Joan, Joan pointed out to me was they won't go to antique stores mm-hmm. to to look for toolboxes to sort or to flip. Right. Because why do you think that is? Well, because antique stores sell things for retail, and if you're a flipper, you buy it wholesale and sell it retail. Yep. The same as the antique stores. So the only way you're going to get a deal in an antique store, the best time that i found to get deals at antique stores is the end of the month in a slow season, which would mean probably winter. And the reason for that is rents come and due on the 1st, they haven't made a lot of sales, and they need to turn inventory into cash. That's the best time to buy from an antique store. Wow, that's a really good tip. That's a good tip. So, Compliments of yours truly, Cheapskate Wayne. <laughs> that is a seriously good tip. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Well, one other tip that I want to mention about uh, picking tools and, and toolboxes is if you're looking at a box and it contains tools that you can't immediately identify. I mean, everyone knows pliers and screwdrivers and hammers and and that sort of thing. But if you see a box full of tools and you have no idea what they are, buy it. Don't pay a lot for it, but buy it. And then go home and look up these tools because chances are good you've run into a specialty toolbox or a tradesman's toolbox or something like that. People in the trades love those old tools and, they do. and old tool boxes. I, I bought things all the time that I never, ever used, and I figured at the time I wouldn't use it. But you never know when you're going to need a tool. <laughs> be nice to know it was in a box somewhere. It's funny that you say that because um, I, I obviously don't know tools. I don't know tools at all, but I know how to pick, as you say. And I can remember the first time I spotted a drafting tool. It was in a a leather envelope that I I would call like a leather box, but it opened up and it was velvet or something on on the back. And then you open it up. And that was my first introduction to tools because I grabbed that Mm -hmm. because I just had a feeling and it turned out to be very profitable. Oh, good. So drafting tools are definitely overlooked. Yeah. And any kind of collection of tools in a box should be looked at. Mm -hmm. My wife does a a fair amount of sewing. So she has various tools and boxes and that sort of thing with with sewing paraphernalia. But you'll find uh, boxes of sewing things all the time. Yep. And most sewing tools, if you look look through those things, there I've made some really good finds. Things like old uh, antique pin cushions. Right. And things like that that are in the box and where I've bought the whole thing just for the pin cushion. Right, of course. Okay, Dana, that's it. Brings episode 34 to a close. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. And uh, if you want more information about the podcast or what's going on with the Worth Point treasure hunts, 
look us up on worthpoint.com or the podcast at flipitorskipit.com and stay tuned in. We enjoy having you. Thanks. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by worthpoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Point.